citizen, the arrival, chapter forty-two. The next day, Bob and Tracy left Rand for the townhouse so they could repack. Because they had the week off, the new couple decided to continue introducing each other to their families. On Wednesday, they hopped a plane to visit Bob's family, who lived in the mid-coast region of Maine. Compared to West Virginia, Maine was colder, but for Tracy, it was the darkness that was astounding. It was pitch black outside by the time the Oprah Winfrey show aired at four o'clock, and there were other stark contrasts to the Christmas at Granny's. Bob's grandfather had passed a few years before at ninety-five. A little before Christmas, it was necessary for Bob's parents to put his mum into assisted living. Bob's younger brother was in Egypt, serving in the army reserves. He had recently divorced, and his young kids were with their mother's family. Over the past two years, Bob's older brother had come out, divorced his wife, and moved in with his partner, which made Christmas anything but traditional for the family. Where the two-story great room once held uncles, aunts, cousins, and great-grandchildren vying for space around Pup-Up's recliner. There was a vast emptiness. The huge Christmas tree, usually stuffed with ornaments from Bob's great grandmother's flower shop, lay cold in the basement. Bob's parents were shell shocked, as they still took care of Bob's fifty-six-year-old Down syndrome uncle. They tried to keep the status quo, but the new reality couldn't be avoided. Now. Bob's parents sat with their two gay sons and their new partners, who had somehow replaced their parents, daughters-in-law, and grandchildren, and any familiar memory of Christmas. Yet the small group had a good time, although dinner was like a scene from any movie, where the history of the room was much too big for the disjointed guests left at the table. When they got back home. Bob and Tracy's family introductions were done, with one exception. Then, once again, Tracy's father dropped in unexpectedly. It was now March, and Harry called to let Tracy know that his great uncle Bob had died. Are you going to the funeral? Tracy asked. Yes, Harry said, and he was solemn. Your mom and I are going. It's this Saturday. I'll meet you there," Tracy said. "I have someone I want you to meet." And Harry took that in. "Are you going to be okay, Dad?" "Yes, son," Harry said. "I'll be all right. I'll see you there." On Friday night, Tracy and Bob drove to West Virginia and stayed at Granny's house in Tracy's room. The next morning, as Bob got dressed, Tracy went in for another cup of coffee. From Tracy's expression, Granny knew it was the two of them that had to、uh, have a meeting. What's wrong, Tracy? Granny asked. Granny, Tracy said, "I'm concerned about Dad meeting Bob." Why is that? Well, Dad and I never really had the conversation, 
And Tracy paused. It's always been implied, and we've prayed against it. Now, I have new revelation about that, and I've been set free. Granny turned to look at Tracy. I can see that, Granny said, and got quite serious. I wasn't sure the first time I met Bob. Moody died recently, and you could have still been in your euphoria about a new relationship. So I was concerned whether you were going to make it through that patch. But now that I'm seeing Bob a second time, and seeing you again, I'm okay, because I know you're okay. Tracy could hardly believe it, and just looked at Granny. I was really concerned, Granny said, but now I see you're going to be okay, and we all like Bob. With that statement, Tracy knew that meant everybody, Ginny, Alvin, his cousins, and everyone in the little neighborhood of Rand. Then, Granny grabbed a knife off the kitchen counter, pointed it at an imagined foe, and her voice went hard. And if your father don't like him, then he can kiss my ass. And you can tell him I said so. Tracy smiled for a variety of reasons, but Granny wasn't done. We like Bob, Granny established. He brought me a plant. Tracy had to laugh. <laughs> now go on and get yourself dressed, Granny said, so you won't be late. So the two left for the funeral in their suits, and Bob had his first real taste of West Virginia. Uncle Bob's church was up in a holler, but not like the swale that held the street between Granny and William Russell's house. This was a dead-end holler with hairpin turns, which required the Subaru be downshifted into first gear. When they reached the tiny white church, it was cantilevered from the mountain. The back of the church nuzzled into the slope, and the entrance steps dangled over fallen rocks at a 45-degree angle. It was also apparent steel beams weren't considered, because of the long cracks in the cement block foundation. As Granny predicted, Bob and Tracy were late, and the service had started. After they scaled the loose shale to the front steps, they entered the small vestibule. Every seat was taken in the wooden pews that held about fifty. Because the church doors were open to the sanctuary, Tracy and Bob stayed put. As they did, a few congregants turned to see who came in. Bob realized he was the only white person there, although that wasn't uncomfortable, because he had often been in such circumstance. The unnerving part was adding the weight of two people to the unbalanced end of the church. Bob had already visualized the church breaking loose and skiing down the mountain as in any scene from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Yet Bob was comforted when the choir entered. Tracy already mentioned that Great Uncle Bob was a person of stature in height, width, and depth and the fact his oversized casket was directly underneath the narrow stage for the minister was a relief. However, 
after seven women of like stature entered in oversized robes and stood behind the minister to sing their choir selection, Bob breathed a little easier. Then Bob wondered. Where are your parents? Bob asked in a whisper. Do you see the tallest head? Tracy hushed. Right in front of the casket, on the left side of the aisle. And do you see the carefully combed hair of the woman sitting to his left? Bob looked. You mean the man in the handsome suit and the woman in the fire engine red jacket? That's them, Tracy confirmed, and Bob had to stifle a laugh. What? Tracy asked. I'll tell you later, Bob decided. Tracy looked at him. They were in the vestibule, and no one could really hear them. Okay, Bob whispered. Do you remember me telling you about my best friend Jim, even though he's 40 years older? Your professor at Ithaca? Tracy asked. Yeah, who taught me how to do the magical feasts. Anyway, he had a lot of colorful expressions because he was originally from Fort Deposit, Alabama. Tracy had no idea what this had to do with anything. So that's your stepmom up there, right? Bob asked. The one in the red? Yep, Tracy said. Although, I just call her mom, and she only wears St. John, so that's a top-of-the-line wool suit. Well, that may be, Bob said. But I know what my good friend James Edward would say. What would he say? Tracy asked, and he thought he was ready. But Bob pulled out a perfectly bent southern accent that would have made Lady T blush. Honey, there are only two kinds of women that should wear red, and she is not a Spanish dancer. Tracy took it in for a moment. Then he emitted a high-pitched squeal, stomped the floor with his size 13 dress shoe, and immediately ducked down. Ah! Not knowing any better, Bob stayed standing in the middle of the vestibule. The very black West Virginian congregation turned around and saw Bob, who looked back at them like a D.C. albino deer in headlights. Then the congregation looked at each other to see if anyone knew Bob. They wondered if the little white boy was lost, or whether he meant to laugh at an extremely revered black man's funeral. They also considered whether Bob would fit next to Uncle Bob in his casket if it were necessary to hide the body. Tracy realized Bob needed to be claimed, so he grabbed Bob's hand and told him to get down. What are you doing? Bob whispered. Tracy still had a scene from the inverse version of Get Out playing in his mind, but quickly stood to the amazement of the back half of the congregation. Come on, let's go, Tracy said, hearing banjo music, and he dragged Bob out of the church and down the loose shale to the car where they could safely laugh their asses off. After the funeral, Tracy and Bob followed the procession down the holler across the highway that split Charleston, and onto the opposite high ridge. It was threatening to rain, but the view was breathtaking down the long curved valley of the Kanawha River.
The gravesite service was short, and because there were fewer people, Bob got to have a look at Tracy's parents. Harry and Lynn also saw Tracy. Afterward, Harry came over and gave Tracy a hug. "'I've missed you, son,' Harry said. "'I've missed you too, Dad,' Tracy said, and they separated. "'Dad, I want you to meet Bob.' And Tracy presented Bob in such a way that Harry knew who he was. Harry reached out his hand, and Bob could clearly read Harry's first, middle, and last name embroidered on his cuff, which was something Bob had never seen before. "'Hello!' Harry said in his trademark way, and they shook hands. "'It's nice to meet you,' Bob said. Then he stepped back, because he was the stranger at a funeral. "'Where are you staying?' Harry asked Tracy. "'We're staying at Granny's,' Tracy said. Harry raised an eyebrow. "'Really?' Harry asked. "'And what does Granny say about that?' "'Actually,' Tracy replied. She told me to tell you that we all like Bob. Harry's eyebrows went higher, and then Lynn finished her conversation with a relative and came over. Who is this, Harry? Lynn asked quickly, referring to Bob. Hey, Mom, Tracy said, and they hugged before Harry continued. Honey, this is Tracy's friend Bob. Harry said, Bob, this is my wife, Lynn. Nice to meet you, Bob said, and shook Lynn's black leather glove. Lynn smiled back, and Bob went back to stand by Tracy. Honey, Lynn said quietly and to the side, What is this? Later, Harry said softly, But Granny says we all like Bob. Oh. Lynn said, and began to process what that meant. Then Harry and Lynn had to get back to Ohio, so they said their goodbyes. Hello, everyone. Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. After that, Bob and Tracy were off to Mia's. She was having the family over for dinner to watch a bootlegged Pacquiao fight. Because Mia was away for Christmas, Bob hadn't met her, even though he met her three sons. This made Tracy realize something as they drove up the steep holler to her house. Now, I haven't mentioned this before, Tracy said, but all the women in my family have a switch. A switch? Bob asked. Yeah, I didn't know about it until Marie explained it to me, but... They all have a trigger, and Mia's is the worst. So, if you see her get a strange look in her eye, or she says something strange, just give me a yell. A yell? Bob asked as they pulled up to the house. 
You'll be fine, Tracy said. Then he jumped out of the Subaru and ran into the house to see everybody, but mostly because of the height issue with Mia's house. Bob lagged behind because he was taken that Mia's house was situated the exact opposite of the little white church from that morning. This holler was just as steep, but it was the road that clung to the mountain. From the road's edge, Mia's house had two steep steps down, followed by a small bridge, and somehow the house clung to the mountain without tumbling into the gorge and small stream a hundred feet below. Fortunately, it was getting dark, so Bob was able to get to the front door before vertigo set in. Once inside, the small living room opened to a large, dimly lit dining room. There, steam pans hissed full of fried chicken, collards, cornbread, and mac and cheese. Granny put down her chicken wing and came over. How'd it go? Granny asked at point-blank range. It was good, Tracy said, but Granny didn't stand down. Really? I think they like Bob, too. Huh, Granny said, and went back to her fried chicken. Tracy reintroduced Bob to the group from Christmas, and they all said, We, we all know Bob. Bob, who smiled because he was old news. Well, I don't know no Bob, Mia said with a tilt of her head. Tracy went over to his cousin for a hug. Mia's husband filled the doorframe from the kitchen, who had been a professional football player before his shoulder had trouble. Yeah, he said. Where's this Bob we've been hearing so much about? Bob was introduced and learned more about Tracy's family. The first lesson was how to drink beer. Here you go, Bob, Mia said, and she handed him a can. You want a straw? A straw? Bob asked, and Mia showed him the bendy straw sticking out of her twenty ounce. <laughs> it gets you there faster. Mia winked. Then she walked into the dining room, drinking her beer like a sippy cup. And she was right about the straw, because a little while later, Mia was on a roll. Oh, yeah, Mia said. You ain't gonna find me groping around trying to find no bat. That's why I got my pool balls lined up. Well, what is she talking about? Bob asked Tracy, but Mia heard him. What? And Mia turned and asked Bob. You don't have protection? And Bob's mind went immediately to condoms, and somehow Mia read his mind. And I'm not talking about no condoms, Mia confirmed. Although, they're in the same drawer right next to my pool balls. No, I mean if a woman is alone in the house, and you hear somebody bumbling around downstairs... You don't have no time to be searching round for no baseball bat. That could have rolled too far under the bed. That's right, girl, Maria agreed. No, you need something you can put your hands on, Mia said. Bob looked at Tracy, but he just grinned. You don't believe me? Mia asked. I'll show you. I I'll be right back. Mia went upstairs, opened the drawer to her nightstand, and came back. 
What she had in her hand was a white gym sock with red stripes. Two pool balls were obviously stuffed into the toe, and the sock was stretched to the point it looked like it needed a truss. That's what I'm talking about, Marie said. And if you whip this thing around, you can crack a skull, Mia said. And she started slinging her sock, but her husband ran over as if he had a flashback. Easy, girl, he said. We're all family here. And he took the loaded sock from his wife. Then everyone had some dessert. But as the evening progressed, things got more dangerous than Bob anticipated. Granny and Marie went home. Just Tracy and Bob, Mia, her husband, and her teenage boys got ready to watch the boxing match. For some reason, Bob ended up on one of the two gray velour love seats in the tiny living room. Bob sat on a love seat on one wall, and Mia sat on the other. Then Mia got a strange look, even though Bob had been there for over four hours. Tracy was in the kitchen talking with Mia's husband. Mia cued the fight, and the announcers discussed Pacquiao. Mia didn't say anything, and Bob stared blankly at the TV. Mia sipped her twenty-outs through her straw and took a sideways look at Bob, who pretended to watch the TV. Bob snuck a peek back, and Mia quickly stared at the screen. Then Mia looked at Bob again and cocked her head as she sipped her beer loudly through her straw. When Bob looked back, Mia snapped back to the TV, and this happened a few more times before she spoke. Now, I know I should know this, Mia said, and took a long slurp. And I don't mean to be rude or nothing, but who are you? And what the hell are you doing in my house? Bob didn't wait for the pool balls. Instead, he recognized the switch and yelled, Tracy! Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase... The book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, Feel free, but don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.